Revelation chapter one, verse one is where we're going to begin in a few moments. The title of the message is Why Study Revelation? Well, a few weeks ago, we finished our latest book and then we had um, some Christmas messages and then the book of Haggai. All along, I'm asking the Lord what book he wants us to do next. And he said, Revelation. And I said, really? <laughs> Lord, really? I, I was kind of hoping I was hearing him wrong. Here's the deal. I, I'm not particularly knowledgeable. The book is, well, come on, the book is scary. Right? It, it, at least at first glance, it's a little spooky. What, what else? Uh, it's a breeding ground for controversy. I personally would not choose to begin a brand new year in a brand new neighborhood in the book of Revelation. Right? Knock, knock. Hey, I just want to invite you to Calvary Chapel down the street. Yeah, I've noticed a lot of activity over there. What are you all studying? The book of Revelation. Oh, okay. So you're one of those churches. Thank you very much. Thank you, Mr. Camping. At Calvary Chapel, here's the deal. We are committed to teaching the word of God, the whole Bible, all of it. So that means sooner or later, we're going to study this book. And I, I, I don't know why I really don't. But the, the, the Lord, I believe, has made it clear, despite my own feelings of inadequacy and fear, that he wants us to study this letter. So today I just really want to answer that question. We're only going to look at the first three verses, but here's the question. Why in the world study Revelation? Again, we could probably think of plenty of reasons not to. Cuckoo, that's one. Uh, it's a breeding ground for controversy. People think, many of us perhaps even, think that it's a closed book. I'm getting a little bit of feedback there. Are you catching that? Okay, that it's a closed book, that we have no business reading it, and, and definitely no hope of really understanding it. Here, here's another reason not to read it. It's scary in places. Really, probably a more accurate word is horrific. But I, I personally have two overriding reasons that I have to teach it now. One, Calvary Chapel is committed to teaching through the whole Bible. And two... I believe God is saying now. So I must teach it. You, on the other hand, have other options, right? You could find another church for the next few months. You could stay home, get your beauty rest. I'm not saying anything more than that. No, nobody here needs their beauty rest. Or you can join us as we study this letter. Now, I'm hoping you're going to take that last option, that is to study with us this book, this letter of the revelation of Jesus Christ. And I have four reasons for you to join us. OK, and you find them in verses one through three. Here they are. If you want an outline, here it is. Number one reason to join to uh, to study the book of Revelation is that it's a picture of our king to come. Number two, it's a preview of things to come. Number three, God promises a blessing to come if we read it. And number four, the proximity of the events to come. It's near. 
I hope if nothing else, you leave here going, wow. And I hope that every week we leave here going, wow, Lord, you're near. So first one, why study Revelation? Because it's a picture of our king to come. Look at the very first, what, five words and you'll see it. The revelation of. It doesn't say the revelation of spooky things. The revelation of Jesus Christ, the word revelation, apocalypsis. You guys know that word apocalypse, right? Here's the thing. Because of media and and the, the stew that we're in, in our culture, we think the word apocalypse means something awful and terrible. If you're a student of the Greek, you know that apocalypsis only means unveiling. It means a revelation, a revealing. It means to draw back the curtain to see that which has been concealed. Think Michelangelo. No doubt when he dropped the the sheet to reveal, that is to apocalypse, the statue of David. Or the dropping of the tarp on the Sistine Chapel. Or da Vinci dropping the curtain off of the Mona Lisa. Still not tracking? How about this? Move that bus. <laughs> Apocalypsis. This whole book is about the revelation of Jesus Christ. It's dropping the curtain on the magnificence of our king. I've got a question for you. Isn't that enough reason to study the book? That we're going to actually see him? And probably many of us in a whole different way than we've seen him before. Y'all, this is not a closed book. The devil, I think, wants you to think that you could never understand it. The devil wants me to think that. The devil wants us to think that we could never understand it, that this book isn't really for us to read. You know why? Well, think about it. In, in, In the book, he gets his head kicked in. He gets vanquished, conquered. He does not want the saints of God reading this book. The devil tells us, no, that's a closed book. But I think you're going to see very clearly that God says, no, I want my servants aware of this. Its primary purpose is not hiding, but it's unveiling. And notice that it's not primarily, again, the revelations of prophecy. Here's here's a point. Um, try, Try not to say the revelations, the book of revelations, plural. That's that's actually a misunderstanding of this very first, most important point. The whole book is the one singular revelation of Jesus. We think of it as the revelations, plural, of prophecy, of spooky things, of scary things. It's not primarily the revelations of prophecy or of really scary things or even the revelation of God's program, although it's all those things. Its primary purpose right there in the first five words is that it would be the unveiling of a person. Not, not a prophecy, not a plan, but mainly a person. Jesus. Jesus, just like he is right now. Think about it. If you're not a believer back in the day, the last time you saw this Jesus character was hanging on a cross. Weekly dying on a cross. But this revelation 
is of a whole different Jesus. A whole completely amazing uh, son of God. The single revelation that's, that's happening in this book is of a person, Jesus. And I, I think personally that the church, our church, every church really needs this unveiling. Here's the thing. Some of you, and Lee prayed for you this morning, some of you desperately need this unveiling. You, you think that Jesus is just a really great man who did really great things. You think of him as the guy upstairs. You think of him as a super nice guy who was willing to even die for your sin, whatever that means. You need an unveiling of who Jesus really is. Just look down the chapter. Look at verse 12. This is one of many pictures of our king that's coming. Verse 12. Then I turned to see the voice that spoke with me. And having turned, I saw seven golden lampstands. And in the midst of the seven lampstands, one like the son of man. Notice the capitalization. He was clothed with, clothed with a garment down to his feet and girded about the chest with a golden band. His head and hair were white like wool and as white as snow and his eyes like a flame of fire. Remember Lee praying that some people, you think you might be able to hide your sin. His eyes are a flame of fire. He sees right through you. His feet were like fine brass, as if refined in a furnace, and his voice as the sound of many waters. He had in his right hand seven stars. Out of his mouth went a sharp two-edged sword, the word of God. And his countenance, look at this, was like the sun shining in its strength. How many of you looked at the literal sun in the sky this morning, just stared at it for minutes on end. Okay, I'm talking about the, that one. If you looked at it literally with, with no shades on, you would burn your eyes out. It says right here, his countenance was like the sun shining at noonday in its strength. Y'all, this is holiness that we can't even look at, that we can't even get near. Verse 17, and when I saw him, I fell at his feet as dead, but he laid his right hand on me. Notice this saying to me, do not be afraid. I am the first and the last. I am he who lives and I was dead and behold, I am alive again forevermore. Amen. And I have the keys of Hades and death. Listen, if you have this morning a very t tame, milk toast view of Jesus, this book should cure it. If to you he's mostly a friend and rarely a king, I'm praying that Jesus will reveal himself as the one who has the keys to death in Hades. If you are a part of the human race, you will deal with Jesus. And this book unveils him as the one who holds those keys of Hades and death, the keys to your future. Now, many of you, you've given your life to him. Maybe what you need is a fresh revelation of Jesus. Guess what? You find it in this book. just want to give you a few examples. I'm just going to kind of uh, go through the book. And if you'll follow me, just to see how true this is. This whole book is a, a revelation of him. Look at verse 5 of chapter 1. 
It says that he's the faithful witness. He's the firstborn from the dead and the ruler of the kings of the earth to him who loved us. Maybe that's what you need to be revealed to you today. He loved you, not loves. He does that too, but he loved you while you were still yet a sinner. Christ, while we were still devoted to sin, Christ died for the ungodly like us. To him who loved us and washed us from our sins in his own blood and has made us kings and priests to his God and Father. To him be glory and dominion forever and ever. Look at verse 7. It says, Behold, he is coming with clouds. Every eye will see him. Um, chapters 2 and 3, I won't make you go there, but he's the, he's the one who knows every single thing about every church. He, he sends letters to the different churches. The, the, the Jesus that's revealed in this book knows every single thing about this church and the people in it. Uh, chapter five, you can turn there if you want. Here's a, a vision. Here's an unveiling of him. It's him as the lamb, the redeemer, the one who bought us, purchased our souls at the, the expense of his death. Look at chapter five. It says um, that they were looking for uh, this is this is a scene up in heaven. And they're looking for someone to take the scroll to the title deed to the earth and they can't find anyone. But then it says, then came a lamb that was slain and they, he's, they speak to him. Verse nine, I believe you are worthy to take the scroll and to open its seals for you were slain and you have redeemed us to God by your blood out of every tribe and tongue and people and nation. And you've made us kings and priests to our God. How many times have we heard that already? And we shall reign on the earth. And then I looked. And I heard the voice of many angels around the throne, the living creatures and the elders. And the number of them was 10,000 times 10,000 and thousands of thousands saying with a loud voice. Worthy is the lamb who was slain. To receive power and riches and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and blessing. Chapter five is unveiling the lamb of God slain for the sins of the world and everyone in it. That's that scene is going to happen one day. And I hope you're among those who are saying worthy, grateful saints. Turn, turn down to Revelation 19 and you'll see him as a victor. Real quick uh, survey. Anybody here feeling defeated like the enemy's been throwing the book at you lately? OK. Maybe the enemy's accusing you. Maybe some of the stuff that he's saying is even right. What you need is, is a victor. You need a conqueror on your behalf. Look at Revelation 19, verse 11. Now I saw heaven open and behold a white horse. And he who sat on him was called faithful and true. And in righteousness he judges and makes war. His eyes were like a flame of fire and on his head were many crowns. He had a name written that no one knew except himself. He was clothed with a robe dipped in blood and his name is called the word of God. And the armies in heaven clothed in fine linen, white and clean. Notice that followed him on white horses. Now out of his mouth goes a sharp sword that with it he should strike the nations and he himself will rule them with a rod of iron. He himself treads the winepress of the of the fierceness and wrath of almighty God. And he has on his robe and on his thigh a name written King of Kings and Lord of Lords. Notice the the army of the saints behind him completely clean. I hope that's you. Turn to Revelation 21. 
Revelation 21 describes him as the source of all light. If you raised your hand before and said, I looked directly into the face of the sun, if you meant the sun, S-O-N, then good for you. Revelation 21. Maybe you need direction. Maybe this morning you came in and you're in a place of darkness and you don't know which, which way to turn. Revelation 21, verse 22. But I saw no temple in it. Speaking of the holy city, for the Lord God Almighty and the Lamb are its temple. The city had no need of the sun or of the moon to shine in it, for the glory of God illuminated it. The Lamb is its light. And the nations of those who are saved shall walk in its light. And the king of the earth, kings of the earth uh, bring their glory and honor into it. Its gates shall not be shut at all by day. There shall be no night there. And they shall bring the glory and the honor of the nations into it. But there shall be by no means enter into it anything that defiles or causes an abomination or a lie. But only those who are written in the Lamb's book of life. It's a revelation of our king to come. That's the number one reason to study this book. Because it's a picture of our king to come. Will you guys pray with me real quick? Lord, I'm asking that you would help us as we study through this book. That we would have a picture of you. Lord, our, our picture of you would be so refined and rejuvenated. And Lord, I ask that all your saints, Lord, as we read through this book, we would have a, a better, more accurate picture. Lord, and if there's anyone here through the months, Lord, however long it takes us to, to study this book that doesn't know you, Lord, they would it would be revealed to them that you are almighty God who created them and then died for them. And that every knee will bow, every tongue will confess you as Lord, King of kings, Lord of lords. You're not just a, a milk toast savior, but a mighty king Lord, help us. To understand this and, and make it real for us over these next times that we study in Jesus' name. Amen. Number two, second reason. Not only because it's a picture of our king to come, but number two, because it's a preview of things to come. Back to Revelation chapter one. It says, <clears throat> excuse me, the revelation of Jesus Christ, which God gave him to show his servants. Did you see that? Things which must shortly take place. Okay, who are his servants? I hope more people than that raise their hand. We are his servants. If you've given your life to him, you, you've been devoted your life to become his servants. Look at that again then. The revelation of Jesus Christ, which God gave him to show us. His servants. Things which must shortly take place. Y'all, this should knock you down. That we would be... Privy to this information. It says here that there are things which must shortly take place. It doesn't say might, maybe could shortly take place, must. And apparently God, the father and Jesus, the son, want everyone in this room in on it. They want us to to know what it is that must shortly take place. That should blow us away. Once again, this is not a closed book. To his servants. It might be to the world. But it's not to his servants. It says there. That um, he which God gave him to show his servants things which it says again must not might or could shortly take place. God wants us on our toes about it. Turn to uh, chapter 22 real quick. 
It's the last chapter in the book. Just want to show you a verse there. Revelation 22, verse six. Then he said to me, these words are faithful and true. And the Lord God of the holy prophets sent his angels. Look at this to show his servants the things which must shortly take place. So in the very first chapter, the very end chapter. God says, I want my servants to know. Things which must shortly take place. Not the whole world. It's not necessary that the whole world know, but I want my servants to know. The next few verses actually go back now to Revelation chapter one. I guess you're getting a workout here this morning. Next few verses tell us how he accomplishes this. How is it that he's going to have his servants know, but maybe not the, the world? It says, and Jesus sent and signified it by his angel to his servant, John. Probably the easiest way to explain that is to just put a dash in the middle of the word signified, signified. He made it signs, symbols, things that we can get, we can understand. The world might not, but we can understand it. See, this is a lot of times that's one of the one of the obstacles in this book. We look and we go, well, there's just so many symbols. There's so, what's how in the world can can we know? <clears throat> well, the key, y'all, is going to be. To know the Old Testament scriptures. Think about this. John was was uh, banished to the Isle of Patmos. He gets this vision and it says that Jesus sent and signified it to John to bring back. Think about um, the, the things that were going on during that time. The emperor Domitian had basically taken what Nero had done to persecute the saints and perfected it. There was persecution all over the place. And. If the Romans were to get wind of this, this doctrine, then persecution would be even even more intense. But they would look at it because they were privy to all, all of the, the writings. They would look at it and they go, well, that's just nonsense and hand it back and they would miss it. You see that? That's, I believe, why he signified it. The, the key for us is going to be just like the the, the Jews that they knew their Old Testament. So we're going to need to be looking a lot at the Old Testament to uh, make sense of these signs. Now, think about this again. What a privilege this is. It says that God wanted us to know. So he he gave it to Jesus and Jesus sent and signified it by his angel to his servant, John. Did you notice all the important hands that this thing has passed through to get to you and me? It's a pretty, pretty big deal. And he's made it so that we can understand it. Um, this last week, we went to the pastor's conference over in Merritt Island. And Don Stewart, the guy who we had mentioned was going to be in Orlando, uh, gave a couple talks about uh, that. The title of his messages were Blessed Are Your Eyes. And it's, it's way too uh, long for me to really share with you in depth. But here, here was his premise. He took us to Matthew 13. Where Jesus is speaking parables and they're all like, why are you talking in these parables and riddles and everything? And he's like, it's because for them, it's not for them to know. The more they know, the more they'll be responsible for when they perish. But for you, he says, I've, I've given these parables and, I'll, and I'm explaining it to you that you might know. He says, blessed are your eyes. Right. Don Stewart goes on to basically show us. But 1948, Israel, 
that was never a nation for almost 2,000 years. Literally, Ezekiel 38 was raised up from, from dry bones. There was nothing, and then, then they were. Then 1967, they gained more land. 1972, they gained more land. He said something about uh, their, their motto back then was, yeah, go ahead, attack us again. We need the land. And what he was saying is, look, 100 years ago, you could look at the book of Revelation and go, well, that just can't happen. Because, I mean, the temple needs to be built. And for the temple need to be built, then you need to have uh, Israel needs to be a nation. And we all know Israel hasn't been a nation for 15, 17, 1800 years. He's like, how crazy is it that we are so blessed to see the end times making sense? It, it's pretty crazy. Um, Jesus says, Matthew 13, 16, but blessed are your eyes for they see and your ears for they hear. For assuredly, I say to you that many prophets and righteous men desired to see what you see and did not see it and to hear what you hear and did not hear it. That's his point. We are reliving this in relation to Jesus return. OK, um, basically, it's a whole bunch of awesome stuff that we won't have time to get into now, but I'm sure we will over the, the time that we study. Here's the point for today, guys. That God loves you enough to give you the inside scoop. He very clearly says, look, this is not a closed book to my servants. Revelation chapter one, verse one, the revelation of Jesus Christ, which God gave him to show his servants things which must shortly take place. And this is actually my favorite part of this point, because he gives us the inside scoop. You know what that tells us? They were his friends. Here the word is servants. But you remember when Jesus said, John fifteen fifteen, no longer do I call you servants. For a servant does not know what his master is doing. But I have called you friends. For all that I've heard from my father, I've made known to you. And here in Revelation chapter one, God says, OK, son, here's the revelation. Jesus says, I'm going to give it to our servants, also known as my friends. Pretty awesome. Now, God gave this revelation, Revelation chapter one, verse one to Jesus and middle of verse one, he then sent and signified or signified it by his angel to his servant, John, who bore witness to the word of God and to the testimony of Jesus Christ to all things that he saw. Look, John, the apostle here, he's the one who writes it. He's basically just saying, look, exactly what I heard. I wrote exactly what I saw. I wrote. That's what you're reading. Now, if you weren't yet convinced. If you're not yet convinced. Of what a privilege this is. Some of you, again, you're, you're like, I don't even know this, Jesus, but I showed up today and you're telling me that I'm privy to inside information. Well, yeah, if you understand it, you are. If you weren't yet convinced at what a privilege this is, once again, think about all of the hands that this passed through. God, the father, God, the son, the angel, John, the apostle, and now Calvary Chapel, Little Lakes. Pretty awesome. Let's pray, actually. Lord, I want to thank you right now, before we go any further, for sharing this unveiling Lord, with us. Lord, again, Lord, I um, might be overstating it, but I feel a, a bit as though uh, I'm teaching this, coming in, kicking and screaming, Lord, not feeling prepared, not knowing what to do. But I'm very convinced, Lord, that this is your will. And what that tells me, Lord, is that you consider us, Lord, your servants, your friends. Help us, Lord, uh, to really, truly receive 
the, uh, the wisdom or the counsel, especially the revelation of your son as we go through this book in Jesus name. Amen. So why study revelation? Number one, it's a picture of our king to come. Number two, it's a privileged preview of things to come. And here's the third thing. And this one's actually very simple, but it's, it's beautiful because God promises a blessing will come. Look at verse three. Revelation chapter one, verse three. Blessed is he who reads and those who hear the words of this prophecy and keep those things which are written in it. This is the only book in the Bible with an explicit promise of blessings. The only one that it just comes out and says, look, if you read this, you will be blessed. Now, the letters back then, there was very few people that would read. And of course, parchment wasn't wasn't uh, like paper is today. These were rare things, these letters. And the letters were meant to be read aloud in church. Guess what? Just like we're starting to do today. So the first blessing goes to the guy who stands up and reads aloud the letter. Oh, yeah. I'm going to be blessed. Thank you, Lord. But it also says, blessed is he who reads and those who hear. Raise your hand if you're hearing. Okay. There is one small catch. Those who hear the words of this prophecy. Notice it is prophecy. Things that will come to pass in the future. But notice that it says not only those who hear the words, but and keep those things which are written in it. I think that last one is one continuous thought. The idea is. You can hear these things, but if you don't keep them, if you just let them slide off of you and like, oh, that's that crazy guy that's preaching through Revelation. Then you won't be blessed. But if you will hear and heed those things. So I don't know if that makes sense, but I don't see three blessings here. I see two for one who reads anyone who reads aloud to yourself. You could you can bless yourself crazy this week. Read through this this book. For the one who reads, but also the second one for the one who heeds. So simple application. If you're looking for it this morning, you guys know we, we look for ways to apply the word. Read the book. Read the, the letter, the revelation of Jesus Christ. You will be blessed, it says. But also heed it. That means act accordingly. And that's going to be huge to act accordingly to the information that he gives you that you're privy to because you're reading it. Now, it says that we'll be blessed. What does that mean? Well, the simplest, easiest uh, way to say it is happy, but it's not quite accurate because you guys know there's a difference between happiness and blessedness, right? Happiness depends upon happenings, circumstances. But blessedness is way cooler. Blessedness is something that, that you can... Even when things aren't going well, you can still have the peace that passes understanding. You can still have joy uh, unspeakable. That's the difference between blessing and happiness. And it's promised right here. Blessing doesn't depend hinge or depend upon your circumstances. It's steady. It's constant. OK, just to, uh, if you want a little uh, homework, a little extra credit. There are seven places in this book where it says blessed is he. You could try to find those and, and read through them this week. But basically, if you just want to be blessed, read this book. And I guess God wants you blessed because that's why he's having us go through it. Okay, so why study Revelation? It's a picture of our king to come. It's a preview of things to come because God promises a blessing will come. And here's the last one. 
because of the proximity of the age to come. The proximity of the events that you're going to read about in this book. Y'all, if we believe Jesus, the time is near. One of the most compelling reasons, probably if you forget anything else, everything else, one of the most compelling reasons to study the book of Revelation is that Jesus is coming back soon. Look at verse 3. Blessed is he who, who reads and those who hear the words of this prophecy and keep those things which are written in it for the time is near. The word time, it's a fixed and definite time, the time when things are brought to crisis, the decisive epic waited for. And then it says the time is near. The word near means of a time imminent and soon to come to pass. I don't know if you, you noticed it, but did you see that we skipped by one that says things are near to verse one, the revelation of Jesus Christ, which God gave him to show his servants things which must shortly take place. Some of you are thinking, well, well, wait a second, Harold Camping. Remember who the crazy guy that picked the date? Still not. OK, good. Um, Jesus says no man knows the day or the hour. So when, when you pick a date, you're, you're showing that you don't know him because you don't even believe that one thing that he said. But some of you are thinking, well, wait a second. You're telling me that he's near, that the time is, is so close. Well, haven't people been saying that for 2000 years? When was this written? 90 A.D. How shortly is that? Well, of course, probably need to remember that Peter tells us, look, with, with the Lord, a day is as a thousand years. But probably more interesting than that to me is the word there shortly in verse one. The word is tacos, T-A-C-H-O-S, not tacos like you eat. But tacos, like where we get the word tachometer. It doesn't mean of, of a time that's that's close necessarily what this here's what it means. It's it's the idea that when it happens, it's going to happen fast. It's a, a tachometer, a, a speedometer. The idea is that when it happens, world history will redline very, very quickly. We learned this week, y'all, that, that when Isra- that those of us who went to the, the conference, that when Israel gains control of the Temple Mount, there are already folks that have been preparing all of the articles, everything that needs to go in the temple. They've been preparing it so that if they get the green light, three months, they'll have the temple built so that the, the sacrifices can begin to happen, which is uh, which the Jews will do in unbelief. Y'all, I don't know if you, uh, some of us have also been listening to Pastor Chuck and, and Don Stewart. Who basically said, you know, here's another interesting thing. Russia and Iran, according to the scriptures, are supposed to be allied. And that hasn't ever happened before. And guess what? What was it this last week? Russia said, hey, just so you know, if anybody attacks Iran, hello, Israel. We're going to attack them. Russia and I- Iran are now allies that that's been declared in the scriptures for ages. And nobody 
10 years ago. What is it? Oh, that no, could be. They were they were uh, they were enemies and Israel and Iran were, were, were good friends. It's crazy stuff. Listen, and I don't know if you thought about it, but the, the temple being built. All that, if you believe in the rapture and I do, that means we don't even have to wait for the temple to be built. If Jesus is coming back for his bride, he could come back. Wouldn't it be awesome if he came back while we were doing this study? That would be awesome. And if you're thinking, no, no, I want my grandkids to. Are you crazy? It's going to be so much better when he comes. Please don't be that person that Jesus spoke about in Matthew 24. You can turn there if you want. Matthew 24, listen to this. Jesus is speaking. He says, watch, therefore, for you do not know what hour your Lord is coming. But know this, that if the master of the house had known what hour the thief would come, he would have watched and not allowed his house to be broken into. Therefore, you also be ready for the son of man is coming at an hour you do not expect. Who then is a faithful and wise servant whom his master made ruler over his household to give him food in due season? Blessed is that servant whom his master, when he comes, will find so doing. Assuredly, I say to you that he will make him ruler over all his goods. Verse 48. But if that evil servant says in his heart, my master is delaying his coming and begins to beat his fellow servants and to eat and drink with the drunkards, the master of that servant will come on a day when he is not looking for him and at an hour that he is not aware of and will cut him in two and appoint him his portion with the hypocrites. There shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Listen. If you say to me. Well, when it says he's coming shortly, I don't believe that. Jesus just talked about you. He said, don't be that person. that says, oh, my master delays his coming. I can do what I want. If you say he's not coming back soon, those last few verses says that it leads to cruelty on your part, debauchery and unpreparedness and eventually weeping. What our Lord wants is to find us ready. Look at Revelation 1, verse 1 again. The revelation of Jesus Christ, which God gave him to show his servants, it says, things which must shortly take place. Y'all, it's going to happen shortly. Matter of fact, let's, I, just so you see that I'm, I'm well, going to say that I'm not crazy, but it might be a separate issue. I just want to take you on a quick survey through the book. And this is how we're going to close. Of all of the places that Jesus says, be ready, be ready, I'm coming shortly. I'm going to let you guys read some of the words. When I pause, I just want you guys to to read the words that I leave for you. Okay, here we go. Revelation chapter one, verse one, the revelation of Jesus Christ, which God gave him to show his servants. That's you guys. Things which must shortly take place. Now look at verse three. Blessed is he who reads and those who hear the words of this prophecy and keeps those things which are written in it for the. Now turn to Revelation chapter three. I won't even make you read any of these words, but I want you to hear them. Revelation three, three, Jesus speaking to his church. Therefore, if you will not watch, I will come upon you as a thief and you will not know what hour I will come upon you. Now look at verse three, chapter three, verse eleven. You guys read, behold, I am coming. Now look at verse 20. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. 
He's right there at the door. Revelation 16 now. Turn there. Revelation 16. I like those sounds of those rustling papers. That's awesome. Revelation 16. Look at verse 15. Jesus says, Behold, I am coming as a thief. Does a thief ever say, Hey, I'm going to be by your place at about 2 o'clock? Now turn to Revelation 22. These are the last words in the whole Bible, you guys. Listen to all of this in chapter 22. Then he said to me, these words are faithful and true. Verse six. And the Lord God of the holy prophets sent his angels to show his servants the things which must. Look at verse seven. Behold, I am coming quickly. Blessed is he who keeps the words of the prophecy of this book. Oh, there's one of your blessings. Look at verse 10. And the angel said to me, do not seal the words of the, the prophecy of this book. By the way, he says when he, he told Daniel. Back in chapter four, Daniel, look, I want you to seal the words of these books because it's not for now. Notice here he says, do not seal this book. I want my servants to understand it. Back at verse 10, do not seal the words of the prophecy of this book for the time is at hand, imminent, right nearby. Verse 12, Jesus, and behold, I am coming and my reward is with me to give to everyone according to his work. And look at the next to last verse of the whole Bible. He who testifies to these things says, surely I am coming. Amen. Here's the deal, guys. I want us to be able to say with John. What he says right there afterwards, even so come Lord Jesus. I want us to be ready. I don't know when it's going to happen. That's by design. I want us to be ready. And even if he doesn't come before I pass, I want to live my life in purity, expecting him to come. But I don't know. wonder why he had me start a book I didn't want to start. Let's pray. Lord, we love you. Thank you, Lord. Lord, I'm such a, an unfaithful servant. But Lord, one thing I try to do is hear you and preach what you tell me to preach. And Lord, I thank you for your love for this congregation. I thank you, for Lord, for your love of every person that's come into this, this sanctuary this morning. Not a one here by accident. Thank you, Lord, that you want us ready. That you share important information with us. You do it in signs, Lord, so that much of the world might not get it, Lord. I, I feel very strongly and, and I have that confidence Lord, that you want us to get it. So, Lord, please open our eyes. Not just to the events that are going to unfold. But, Lord, uh, to those around us, their need for a Savior. And even more than that, Lord, open our eyes to who you are. Give us a fresh revelation of Jesus Christ, our Savior. We love you, Lord. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.